think. I think I'm good. Okay, great. I accept that. I've had a lot of pizza. That's I just got some pizza. My boyfriend's mom just brought home delicious pizza. Oh, that's good. Grunge Girl brought back some pizza last night. I got back late because I was playing a gig where they uh, served pizza. So, double pizza. Was it good pizza? At the gig? Mm Mm-hmm. It was fine for the location, I would say. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It was very good as far as food goes and totally fine as far as pizza goes. Interesting. I would have thought the opposite because pizza is a more narrow category than food. So I would assume the best food is better than the best pizza. I mean, that may be true, but we're talking about like averages and medians here, you know. Don't don't try to trick me with numbers. I'm not trying to trick you. I'm trying to trick you. I'm saying... I don't mess with that boy I'm saying shit. In our brain, you know, in the man brain, I should explain. When we're in not, the male brain. When we're not thinking about like Napoleon or Rome or like other right. things. Right. Paintings of horses. Yeah, horses. Scotch. I don't know why this is coming up, but I feel like someone told me at one point with the horse statues of the people, like if all the horses' legs are up or if two of them are up or one of them are up, it like means different things. Yeah, I feel like I, I don't remember what. It's supposed to mean, but I feel like I have heard something like that, too. Yeah, but like if you know you're a boy, just that's the <laughs> Yeah. Well, gender is very simple, Michael. Whoever knows what's going on with the legs and horse paintings is a boy, and whoever doesn't is a girl. The I, end. I agree with that. But here's the thing about pizza. It's just like our standard for pizza is at a higher caliber than our standard for food generally, you know? Um, like, I'm going to give you some food, and you're going to be like, oh, this food's good. But if I want to say, I'm going to give you some pizza, the same objective goodness of the pizza, you're going to be like, this is, you know, this is, this is fine pizza. This pizza is at like a different, it's, it's I, on a different I, scale. I think we just, cons- I think we just think of food differently and that's fine. Well, what's the best food in the world? I'm just curious. Oh right? my I God. Mean, sushi for you, right? It's got to be sushi. It's a tie. This is kind of a, a crazy tie, but for me, it's a tie between good sushi and just good raspberries literally just raspberries by themselves that's pretty good when i was little i would go to my grandma's house and she would get a pint of raspberries in the fridge and i would just sit and eat the entire thing in one go and i could still do that i could do that right now that's great i I support that there's just something something about raspberries that transcends all prepared food for me yeah they're fun you know it's like a collection of small little balls all yeah it's a it's the flavor and the texture it's everything about them Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they're just sublime so you're chilling sounds like i just had this revelation while we were talking about food that supermarket sushi is really good and people need to yeah welcome to my life (laughs) it's like better than literally the last item on every grocery list i send my boyfriend to the store with is little sush I love it. I'm a big fan of supermarket sushi. So yeah, you know, I'm fine. I'm going to go on vacation soon from work. I know. I know. Any special vacation plans? Painting the bedroom. Oh, I thought you were going to take up painting as a hobby. I was very intrigued for this fine arts arc of the Michael story. I am considering getting a couple leather working supplies. Not for real leather, people. Don't, Don't eat me. Actually, probably some like scrap pieces of real leather from that are around, but just to make, you know, little thingamabobbles to cover tools and stuff like that. Great. Hell yeah. Yeah. 
Every year at Queer Talmud Camp, B'nai, the progenitrix of Svara, hosts a leatherworking workshop. I've made several little items. I made a choker one year, and I made a bracelet the next year. Honestly, it was a really sexy choker for any gay Jew out there. I ended up giving it to my ex who kept it in the divorce, but it had a quote from our Talmud passage that year, which is, the heart knows its own bitterness, which I feel like a choker that just says the heart knows its own bitterness is like in in gay Jew world, that's a very that's sexy pretty choker. Gothy. That's pretty yeah. goth. I mean, all chokers are sexy. It's kind of like you don't even need to say sexy in front of choker. Right, right. I mean, you think that because you love trans girls, you are one of our biggest supporters. So uh, the, are you implying that trans girls love chokers? I guess. Yeah, it's like a meme. It's like a... So much so that it is a meme. Maybe it's just my generation and this will pass as we age out of the meme creation demographic. But for many of us, chokers are like a big accessory that suits our delayed adolescences. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do feel like uh, I'm speaking out of turn, but the, the, there is like a um, a trans girl like slutty phase Sometimes it yeah, extends there absolutely forever, is. But, um, you were a, a beneficiary of many of those phases, I'm I know, sure. I know, I <laughs> know. <laughs> girl just like looked at me with a face, an approving face. A face that like. said, I know, and now I'm stuck here. You know, you, you took advantage of that slutty face to lock her down, you know? Oh, totally. I mean, yeah. You baby trapped her with Skeeter. Uh, yeah, that's one. That's a... That's um, a Anyway, perspective for sure. How, how are you, you are has gone in a lot of weird directions. Yeah, yeah. How are you, Hava? I'm okay. I was really, really sleepy before this. I'm really struggling with overtime season at my boyfriend's job. It really affects our sleep schedules. But then my boyfriend's mom brought home two delicious pizzas of different flavors. One, a Greek pizza. Two, a pizza from Dave's, a local grocery store chain called Popeye's Gone Bananas, which is a spinach, ricotta, and banana pepper pizza. Oh, spinach, ricotta. Um, that sounds great, actually. Yeah, it is great. Yeah, <laughs> I'm awesome. I'm thrilled about both of these pizzas, and we got a lot of them. So that was a good pick-me-up. Still very much preparing to go see my family in Texas in like two weeks. Pretty nervous about that. I don't know. Maybe it helps that I just went to Portland. So my travel anxiety has, I like don't have enough brain chemicals to reactivate it so soon. Uh, Maybe I should just like always have a trip a month apart so I don't have time to get anxious about the next trip. Are you going to be there for Christmas and all that stuff? I will be flying back on Christmas Eve. Oh, wow. Interesting. Okay. Are you going to see your mom too? Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm going to stay with my mom and I'm going there at a time that coincides with my little brother's Christmas break from teaching school because he's a middle school orchestra teacher. Yes. Yes. Which is very sweet. It's very sweet. Yeah. Very, very good. I feel I've talked about this before. Yeah. 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 We don't need to go into it. But that's going to be cute. I think it's going to be good. What else is going on? It's like very gray and rainy and gross outside. I love a gray rainy gross day i love it i love it when i don't have to take the dog out taking the dog out has significantly impacted my love of rainy days is it because the dog gets wet because i have to be in the rain with the dog you have to get yourself a nice jacket you got to get the dog a jacket i do i actually have a really nice rain jacket that i wore all the time in the rainforest in washington but the zipper broke so it's new rain jacket time for me did you like the rain more when you were 
out there living there permanently back in the day? No. I, If anything, I liked it less. I grew to not like rainy days at all because the majority of days were rainy. So they became a lot less special. But I do really like, at least where I was, and I, I think this is a phenomenon in a lot of the Pacific Northwest, there's a lot of the time where it's just gray but not rainy. Those are really beautiful. There's a lot of like mist on the hills in the Pacific Northwest. I really miss just like a scenic, big, empty forest day with gray skies and mist on the hills. Very magical. Yeah, I do love a good misting. We, we get that in the mornings here sometimes. Yeah, so stuff is generally pretty good other than, other than being super sleepy. But stuff at Shomala is chilling, is cooking. We've been having Torah for Palestine on Tuesday nights, which has been really magical and felt like a inadequate but nice way to respond to the ongoing crisis and war that's me you know just my usual my boyfriend got me this sweater that i'm wearing right now which is novel because one he barely shops for clothes for himself and he just like heard me say that i needed a sweater so he stopped by old navy on his way home and successfully picked out my size and a color i like which it puts him in the 99th percentile of boyfriends in America already, I feel. That is attention to detail that I just can't bring myself to know. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. It's impressive. <laughs> that is care for my partner that I just cannot bring myself to display. Yeah. Um, actually. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> rip crunch girl. So that's cute. Love that. Love to receive a surprise sweater. It's very cozy and soft. Before we dive into whatever we're going to dive into, I just want to remind our listeners that who created these, which is Shomala's next Kabbalalicious class coming up taught by the marvelous Lexi Kohansky, is coming up super soon. I'll put the registration link in the comments so you can register for it post haste. It is going to be very existential and trippy and wonderful. So you should look forward to it. So, Michael, dazzle me with science. All right. All right. All right. I'll dazzle you with science. I'm breaking with the theme of continuing the theme of continuing what we've been talking about before. Uh -huh. So in some ways, that is a continuation. Perfectly sensible. This is how Judaism ended up how it is. People are like, continuing our tradition of breaking our tradition of continuing our tradition. I've invented a holiday. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that'd be great. I do think we should be inventing more holidays. I'm pro-holidays in general. Yeah, um, I would argue we reinvented Hanukkah. That's true, that's true. We don't get any time off for it, though, so, you know. Whose fault is that? The goyim. If Jews put in as much force and political effort into getting Hanukkah off that they have done for like... I know. She's such a pillow princess. She's hard to get off. So we had some listener questions come in. Oh. I'm going to answer two questions. And I'm going to okay. need your help a little bit, Hava, for oh, these questions. Okay. I think the first one is pretty easy. The question came in. It just asks, is Lilith trans? And I think the answer oh. is no. It's no. It's clearly no. Yeah, I think she's not definitively trans in the way that Eve is, for instance. Oh, okay. You have actually have a serious answer for this. So maybe oh. <laughs> I shouldn't have even brought this question. I thought your answer was serious. The reason I say that, right, is because one of the reasons I chose the name Chava for myself is because there's proof positive that Chava is a trans woman because the rabbis say that Adam, the first being, was created both genders and then was split into two genders Adam and Chava, 
which is canonical proof that Kava started out as a different gender than woman and transitioned to woman, which means by any definition, she is a trans woman. And Lilith, as far as we know, was created like in the same manner as Adam. So either if we're assuming that they were like both of these midrashes are sort of like co-canonical with each other, then Lilith was like a multi-gendered being, in which case maybe we should say she's trans, but she was assigned that multi-gender at birth. So she actually might be history's first cis non-binary person. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good, really good point. And if the two midrashes are not collinear, it seems like she was created from nothing, like in the form that she was in. So I would say we don't have strong canonical proof of her transness in the way we do of Chavas, but don't let the lack of proof or support in the text ever stop your midrash. It never stopped the rabbis. That was a great, serious answer. You know, it makes me think that listener who emailed that in, please text us back if you want even more details, because it looks like there's yeah. fruitful conversations to be had about this Would subject. be delighted to talk about it more. Okay, that's question number one. That's question number one. I'll take this opportunity to announce that we are not going to be maintaining the anonymous email website anymore. If you want to reach oh, us... Please just text the number that's in the uh, description or leave us a voicemail there. It's just a little bit Or easier. you can also email us directly at you at gmail.com. Yes, that's true. I never say that anymore, but it's still true. And if you really want to be anonymous, I don't know, get one of those disposable email addresses or something. Right. And just send it. It's uh, easier to maintain. So yeah, many ways of contacting us. Question number two that came in was a text that okay. says... Hi, I love the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. What are some parts of Talmud that talk about earth, maybe earth spirits, and the power of trees? Ooh. This is a big one. And yeah. um, I wanted to bring a little something here and there. Great. But also just give a summary of other places to look. Because we've covered trees a little bit before. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, I'm remembering tree episodes now. Like the secret language of trees. Yeah, yeah, the secret language of trees. So, in terms of the power of trees, from the secret language of trees episode, we talked about at least palm trees communicating to each other. And if you listen in a particular way, or if you're like particularly learned, then you can pick up on the secret language of trees. Mm -hmm. And you can hear what they're saying on like a windless day. Yeah, go back to that episode. It's a good one. Yeah, so secret power of trees there. I mean, there's lots of tree stuff. Trees are generally seen as pretty positive symbols of life, and you nurture it, and it grows, and Tree of mm -hmm. Life, and Torah, and Sephirot. There's lots there that use trees as symbols. There's definitely, you can talk to trees, and there's secrets, and you want to know those secrets. So, generally, we're pro-tree, I would say. We got the two bishvat going on. Right. What else is tree-y for you? You know, I was just thinking of the most recent Shalmala class, The Shady Bunch, which was taught by Olivia Devora, friend of the pod, which is based on a sugya from Pasachim 11b that involved a bunch of demons hiding in a tree and basically having a party in the tree. A great tree sugya. Highly recommend you look it up. Both great demon lore and tree lore on Pasachim 111b. So that's an important tree moment. Other important tree moment happens in Ta'anit when we have Choni Hama'agel who gets put to sleep 
because he was talking smack about carob trees taking too long to grow. We have right. the magical tree that grew for Shimon Bar Yochai outside his cave, which is in Masechet Shabbat. Any more magical trees I can think of off the top of my head. There's another piece in Ta'ani that talks about the structure of different tree metaphors. Like it's like, oh, we say these people are like a cedar because a cedar is tall and has deep roots. But we say these people are like this other tree because it falls over easily. So there's some good tree stuff in Masechet Ta'anit as well. Yeah, that's a that's a smattering of tree sugyot. Chapter one of Mishnah Brachot talks about whether you can say the Shema if you're climbed up a tree. Wow. Well, I have a little story about a tree. Okay, tell me about a tree. This was translated by Howard Schwartz. It's a translation from a little story from this book called Trees, Earth, and Torah, a Tubishvat anthology edited by Ari Alon, Naomi Mara Hyman, and Arthur Waskow. Reb Nachman was once traveling with his Hasidim by carriage, and as it grew dark, they came to an inn where they spent the night. During the night, Reb Nachman began to cry out loudly in his sleep, waking everyone up in the inn, all of whom came running to see what happened. When he awoke, the first thing Reb Nachman did was take out a book he had brought with him. Then he closed his eyes and opened the book and pointed to a passage, and there it was written, Cutting down a tree before its time is like killing a soul. Then Reb Nachman asked the innkeeper if the walls of that inn had been built out of saplings cut down before their time. The innkeeper admitted that it was true, but how did the rabbi know? Reb Nachman said, All night I dreamed I was surrounded by the bodies of those who had been murdered. I was very frightened. Now I know that it was the souls of the trees that cried out to me. Oh. Whoa. Yeah, that... There's a lot going on in that story. Yeah, I don't know if it's an actual story attributed to Reb Nachman or it's, you know, something written as a modern story now. But I do know Nachman is all about going into nature and meditating and hanging out in the forest and woods. He was into that kind of stuff. So Mm -hmm. definitely in line with the character of the Hasidic rabbi. Yeah, I mean, I've always thought of Judaism as pro-tree, but never that militantly pro-tree. Yeah, it's a little intense. I'm not sure what the message is there, but I do think, I I believe it says somewhere also in Tanakh that like a man is like a tree in a field. There's this connection between the individual tree as symbol, metaphor for a person as well. So Hmm. there's that. I like that you brought up Shadim because one of the questions that the listener had was, are there earth spirits? Mm. And Shadim is translated as demon, but... That's a complicated word. It's very complicated. You could almost say they're more like fairies. Yes. Big fan of Shadim is fairies. I suggest that as an avenue of exploration. And it also reminded me of what you brought up about angels. There's an angel assigned to every blade of grass encouraging Mm -hmm. it to grow. Oh, yeah. Classic. Telling it to grow. I do love that, too. I brought one other tree thing that I wanted to share, which is a bit of a stretch. Well, it's a bit of a something. On Gitin 55b, there's this passage. Rabbi Yochanan brings this question. What is the meaning of this passage from Proverbs 28.14, which is, Happy is the man who fears always, but he who hardens his heart shall fall into mischief. Following this question, there are these three little facts that are listed. Jerusalem was destroyed on the account of two people, one named Kamtsa and one Bar Kamtsa. Right. Place known as King's Mountain was destroyed on the account of a rooster and a hen. Oh, didn't know that one. 
and the city of Betar was destroyed on the account of a shaft from a chariot. Okay, I don't know anything about that. So these large cities were all destroyed for seemingly very small things that happened. And in this section of Talmud, they go on to describe how this all went down for these three particular locations. Presumably this has something to do with this quote from Proverbs. Perhaps you might have some insight into what it is. I just wanted to recount the story about Betar and how it was destroyed due to the shaft of a chariot. Yeah, tell us about the shaft, Michael. Here's the explanation a couple doffs later. It was stated earlier in the doff we just read that the city of Betar was destroyed on account of a shaft from a carriage. So it was customary in Betar that when a boy was born, they would plant a cedar tree. And when a girl was born, they would plant a cypress. Wow, gender strikes again. Gender strikes again. And when they would later marry each other, they would cut down these trees and construct a wedding canopy for them with their branches. So again, we got this each person is symbolized by a tree. The tree is growing and right. la da da. Apparently that's when it's time to chop them down. If you were to build an inn out of the chuppas of all of these couples, I guess it wouldn't cry out in pain. Right, that would be kosh for shosh. So, one day the emperor's daughter, so this is emperor of Rome, okay. passes by and there the shaft of her carriage broke. Her attendants chopped down a cedar tree from among the trees that were around and brought it to her to make a new shaft. This wasn't good because this cedar tree was the tree belonging to some boy, you know, who Mm -hmm. would maybe eventually get married and that tree was meant for his, uh, you know. Right, for his chuppah. Exactly. The residents of Betar came and fell upon them and beat them. So, yeah, it's pretty pretty. They're like, daughter of the emperor, we don't give a fuck. The attendants came and said to the emperor, the Jews have rebelled against you, so they went and declared war on them. Uh, uh, so that's That the, didn't end how I I didn't know what I thought was going to happen, but for some reason I thought it was going to the destruction of the town was going to be a punishment on the daughter of the emperor for cutting down the tree, but it was actually just like not even cosmically ordained. It was just like, yeah, these people basically cared so much about a tree that they ended up their town getting attacked by the emperor. This all preceded this quote about how you need to do the right thing or like right. So I guess it does to you. It does kind of seem like it's about like the attendance of the princess. I'm pretty sure that's not what you are if you're an emperor's daughter, but whatever. The attendance of the princess should have thought before they cut down the tree. And it's sort of like admonishing them for leading to the destruction of a town. Usually I presume the lessons are for the Jews in the story, not for the non-Jews. Right. When reading Talmud, that's usually a safe assumption. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, you know, it goes on further in the Duff. Big war, lots of blood in the streets. No good, no good, no good. Mm-hmm. But I learned that Betar is a real historical place. Oh. It's in the West Bank It's the historical location of one of the last fortified locations of the Bar Kokhba rebellion. And I believe in 135 CE, the Romans came and destroyed it. It was like one of the last holdouts. I got it. So these rabbis are trying to come up with some sort of explanation. You know, they're kind of creating a myth around the, the destruction of this 
location. Right. When it might have actually been in response to Bar Kokhba stuff. Yeah, yeah. It was probably in right, response to Bar Kokhba Interesting, stuff. especially since they're pretty anti-Kokhba. They're like, let's make it about something else. I prefer Diet Kokhba. Yeah, Betar, it's still around. If you're there, you can go see like the ruins of it. It's known in Arabic as Kirbet Al-Yahud, which translates to Ruin of the Jews, which, I mean, accurate. Accurate. accurate very accurate. So yeah, yeah. Excavations have been done there. Plenty of evidence of arrowheads and Roman siege and all that kind of stuff. Also on a like a more fucked up note, it's also very close to an Israeli illegal settlement that's now named after this location. Not surprised. But yeah, this was a strange story in part because I don't know what the moral is. Right. What is it doing? It also is about trees. So, mm-hmm. listener, you got a little bit of trees. Right, there. but it's like not for this. It doesn't seem like it's about trees for trees' sake. It's about like the tree was going to get cut down just for a different reason at a different time. Yeah, yeah. And from this one sugya, I ended up going down like a larger rabbit hole of modern Israel history, reading about stuff because of the connections to this archaeological site and the settlements that are happening in the West Bank right now. Right. I feel like that often happens when I read a little Talmud. I end up going down a rabbit hole of things that are often having to do with modern developments, Mm -hmm. sometimes like directly involving Israel, but other times just even obscure things like that you know it's just a diving off platform the power of talmud baby uh yeah yeah to answer our listener about earth spirits i've been racking my brain and i don't have anything that fits that description immediately coming up i feel like the closest thing is discussion of the mouth of the earth which is one of the many things that god created at sort of the twilight of creation along with You know, the magical temple creating worm and the first pair of tongs. The mouth of the earth is is like almost this independent entity that opens up and swallows Korach and does a couple other things. And it's it's created at this time, sort of just hanging around until it's needed. So that feels like borderline earth spirit to me. And that is like the closest thing that I can think of. So if you want to get started on an earth spirit rabbit hole, probably researching the mouth of the earth is the direction to go. Because there are a lot of, there are like Shadim associated with certain rivers, Shadim associated with certain trees, but I can't think of any that are associated with like earth in that way, in an earth spirit way. So hopefully that at least gets you started on something that's interesting for you. Anyway, that's what I brought for the day. Just a little collection of things. Lovely listener question buffet. Rad. Well, thank you all for joining us on this, what is for us, a rainy Sunday. Hopefully it's cozy for you wherever you are. Sign up for Trippy Kabbalah Adventure. Send us your questions by texting the number in the description or emailing us at you at gmail.com. You too could get them answered on here just like this. And then you could tell your friends, my question was on this week's Hi, How Are You? And they'll say, what's that? You all are a delight and a pleasure. And you look really cute today. I can just tell. And we're wishing you all a Shavuot Tov. Shavuot Tov. Shavuot Tov.